वेलकम टू सिंट टॉक द सिंट टॉक इज अराउंड द टेबल टुडे डिस्कस द कोनांड्रम्स ऑफ एम्बॉडीमेंट विल थिंक अबाउट एम्बॉडीमेंट इन द बॉडी वाइल वंडरिंग व्हाइट इज ऑफन कंसिडर्ड इनफीरियर टू एनीथिंग ट्रांसेंडेंटल how close are we to our own bodies how does embodiment happen where is the mind vis-a-vis the body is it embodied how does movement matter for living and learning how is martial arts different from dance how is the body itself idealized do we live in the world as a body is everybody also always an object Is the mind-body problem still a problem? Can we escape a body? And what is the long-term future of the body in the world? We are pleased and privileged to have three Sin Talkers with us here today. Dr. Kim Diaz. She is a Latin American philosopher and a mindfulness teacher. She also practices and teaches martial arts. She currently works with US Department of Justice. Professor Bishnu N Mohapatra He is a poet and a social theorist. He is currently with Forum on Contemporary Theory in Baroda. And Aparna Oppaluri. She is a dancer and the founder of Antara Collective. She also leads the Science and Society program at NCBS in Bangalore. So, Aparna, why don't we set the ball rolling with you? Okay. Um, you dance and you've danced for a bit, and you know people who dance and you teach dance. Is uh, is is there a way of starting in a slightly different place and try to understand other people who just can dance? is it possible to not have the faculty of dancing or being able to dance and what does it mean to be able to dance and what does it mean to be not be able to dance and is there such a thing and we we'll link it to the question of the body if if at all there's a link yeah. so i mean i i'm not sure that there is anybody who just cannot dance mm-hmm. um because i think if you have a body and you can move it right in a way that makes sense either you or somebody is watching you it's a kind of dancing any movement is a kind kind so of dance so not that any movement is a dance but any movement that um in some sense gets your body to uh, feel itself and as you feel itself right. when the other can feel you right there is a dance happening right so so as in as, some as sense, students walk into your studio to your classes yes are there some people who struggle a little bit more than the others and, and is there a way of putting a finger on why so, that might be the case well certainly i mean i think um there's so much of physicality that is involved in the way that right a certain body can um function in a certain space right so uh the, the way that my my body moves and i'm sitting in your recording studio and the way that it moves and i'm sitting in my uh, my performance space or when i'm in my 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 classroom teaching how is it different um it's different because the context is different mm. you know it's almost like i enter um through the context my body enters a different state of awareness mm. and within that state of awareness it um it plays its identity out in different ways and in in that negotiation of finding itself in that space very often you begin to make your dance why do you dance aparna um Or why did you begin dancing well in your introduction um you said something about how the body is thought of as something that uh, cannot be transcendental yeah you you you, you made yeah, a statement yeah. of that sort something like that but my experience is you know um the converse i mean i i you can I use the body dance. to transcend into 
Yeah, okay. I mean, I, because of the experience itself is a form of transcendence. Mm. The experience of moving your body, particularly within, for me, within the form that I practice, mm-hmm. which is ODC. Yeah. Um, and I've experimented with other forms. Mm. So within the form that I practice, particularly, mm. um, I do experience that moment of transcendence. So there's a um, you know, very well-known uh, father of contemporary dance, Merce Cunningham, who says that you know, um, only people who really care about dance can dance because it doesn't give you anything. It doesn't give you a painting. It doesn't give you a. It it's doesn't give you a poem. Ephemeral. Yeah. It's so ephemeral. It gives. It actually gives you nothing, except <laughs> for a fleeting moment. You know that you're alive. Yeah. So, um, in that sense, I think how, how that's fleeting true. is it? So when you say it, and it's, there's a transcendent quality to it at times. Um, how fleeting it is depends on uh, every ins- instance that you yeah, you sure. perform at it. So, sure. so there are some performances or some uh, sometimes when you're in your practice space, when the moment of transcendence really holds mm. for a longer period mm. than others, mm. and that of course has to do with multiple factors. But mm. you know, uh, Kim and I were talking earlier. Right. She does flamenco. And um, she was talking about a, about a state, what was the word you used? Duende. Duende. Where, I mean, transcendence is felt when you enter the body so deeply that you forget you have a body. Yeah. You yeah. know, and that's, that's, most often that's how it's described. It's in a way some kind of an opposite of self-awareness. Is it like forget, what, what happens? You forget your body, you kind of become one with, I know these are just phrases, but... Oh. You, well, I don't. I, I wouldn't say that. I f- that that one forgets the body as so much as one entirely and completely inhabits the body. Right. And so I remember in an earlier conversation saying that you know what is it to live as a body rather yeah. you know as opposed to living in a body. In the body. And um, so living in the body is still a, a form of duality. Yeah. You know there There's is a there, container, there is one and, and the body is a it. container and you're inside the container. But living as a body, um, which is where a practice like dance or the martial arts or yoga takes you to is all the other forms of awareness are falling off, mm. right? Mm. And um, the context of you as a body, um, you begin, you, you attempt to experience it in its entirety. It's not to say that as a dancer, I'm not thinking with one with what one calls a mind yeah, yeah. and say that, you know, there's awareness and I'm you know, so but I mean, I'll tell my my students focus on your thigh, your focus. But where is that? You know, what is it that that is focusing? That is focusing. Yeah. To reaching a point where you're saying, like, become your knee. You know, <laughs> and so this, so, so so pedagogically, body to body, when you're teaching, this is what you're sort of shifting. Yeah. You're constantly making the shift between watching yourself as. As someone who you know, as 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 a, as a body, as something that can be controlled, to just becoming the control itself. Yeah, you know. So yeah. so 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 that, that simply in a sense, why one dances? I mean, that's a question that I don't think we'll ever really answer. Which is why the question is why which do is you why, dance, Aparna? Which is which it's is, not it's not like why does one dance? Yes. Why, why do you dance? So I dance really because for me it is because there are there are moments of transcendence that I keep being able to return to and this is the only practice where I've been able to reach right and um, uh, I don't often reach some you know when I'm when I'm in a performative space like I'm dancing in front of 200 people but I often do it even privately do yeah. it when it's when I, when you know I'm, I'm practicing privately yeah so in my in my classes that's what I'm trying to share right is interesting is is how what the journey is to arrive at that point. Vishnu, it makes sense to you. Where is the mind in all this? What's the mind-body link? Um, what does it mean to become the knee? You know, the let's say you begin something very simple. Hmm. Let's say we are in our bodies as bodies, and our bodies are in this world. Yes. And, of course, the mind-body dualism, uh, what is called in philosophy as substance dualism, is all passe. It's, it's, it's uh, I think, following uh, what the phenomenologists did, uh, what others did, nobody takes that kind of dualism 
seriously anymore. Sure. But what is important is to understand that how are we embedded as bodies in this world? Mm-hmm. And how do the bodies determine the way we are? You know, take for example, uh, much of the um, politics of uh, collective assertion or identity politics in our times. Let's say feminists. Let's say Dalit politics in India. Let's say race politics in the United States. Sure. You'll find a lot of focus on bodies. Because why? It is not because people are not living as bodies. It's when you say body, you mean what? Physical, body characteristics, physical characteristics. Physical as as the physical been inscribed by the social. Right. You know, the body is so not body purely... Is not entirely physical yes, either. Yes, body is not entirely physical. Not entirely biological. Body is not entirely biological. But body is constructed. Body is conferred meaning by social context. Obviously, there's historicity to all of this and a lot of the past is... Yes, I mean, I mean, there are printed or loaded. There, there is, there is, there is, a, there is, a, there is a history. There's no linear history, mm. but if you look at uh, uh, pre-Socratic, uh, people read the pre-Socratic as where the body was valued, as bodies valued. Plato would, this, the people say that in the following this, uh, following that period, body was seen as something impure. Body was seen as as an impediment. Why? Because bo- with body, which is ephemeral, which is fragile, you cannot really contemplate the idea of the eternal, the form. Plato would say. So Plato would say that body is not the right way to think about the soul, because soul is eternal, and this this instrument is not going to give you something to think about that. But look at look at the question how the bodies are truly embedded in, in society is marked. When the feminists would say that the patriarchal societies actually have reduced us to only bodies mm. as, as an object of male gaze, or Dalits would say that we have been reduced finally to untouchable or bodies that you cannot touch if you are if you're, if somebody is in the so-called But Bishnu, these are somewhat insidious forms, but every body is body is eventually an object, right? I mean, not it, it cannot be entirely subjective. No, everybody is, I would say, everybody depending on who you are, how, where do you, how they're inhabited, they're social. They're also partly constructed. But you can also say that your body is also irreducibly biological. There's something that happens. For example, look at the earlier distinctions where Philosophers thought that as humans, you have the mind. Mm-hmm. Animals have bodies, we have bodies, but what really distinguishes us is the mind. Is the mind. Yeah. Now, subsequently, you would find that philosophers started doubting that distinction and said that, no, no, we are also more like animals. We are being naturalized. Yeah. If, you, if you're an evolutionist, you would say that, look, you're, you're also like animals. So over a period of time, your brain became bigger and you started behaving differently, but you are like animals. But the philosopher would initially say that, no, 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 you are not bodies. You know, body is what animals have. You are something more, 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 more than the bodies. And therefore, that, that so, can so, distinguish. So where are we on this, Vishnu? Um, uh, is the mind inside the body? Is it squarely embodied? And, you know, these kind of debates are never really settled and you don't move on. One gets that part. But what's the link the, as of now? You know, are they distinct? Are they... Uh, the, the mind is only playing with the representational ideas of the reality. Mm. No, I think if, if you are a phenomenologist, if you are somebody who believes that, no, body is also subject of your thinking. Body is not an object of your thinking. Mm. As, as, uh, uh, body Ponte, does the thinking. Body does the thinking. Body does the thinking. Body does the thinking. So body is the subject of your experience. It is not an object of mere locus of your sensations. So, you, so in this case, which Aparna spoke about, where you have to... Think of your thigh or your knee. Mm-hmm. The body thinks of the thigh and the knee. I mean, of course, the the mind is a part of the body, but 
Um, so, so you were trying to figure out what this thing is which looks at the thigh or the knee. Yes, I think that's the shift that we're talking about. Yeah, of course. Is is you 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 enter, you know, it's almost like we live our everyday lives assuming that there is this duality. Yeah, as though there is this mind which is somehow yes. atop everything. Atop everything else. Yeah. And um, so when you when you so there's a difference between saying think of your of, of your thigh or saying that where is your thigh yeah so these are questions where you're saying that there is something else that can answer yeah um but then just to entirely see yourself as this sort of physical structure yeah um where you know that there are all these parts yeah but what you're trying to do at the same time is begin to experience a, a sense of unity yeah so you begin to then um find a way in which you can access parts of your body without separating out stepping or... out and having a conscious uh, command center yeah yeah and yeah. arriving at that in dance is is the conundrum you know how that so much of learning dance teaching dance training in dance the conundrum is how you make that journey of of saying that somehow fusing the subject and the object object so. together mm. Mm. right so 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 of course in that there is a lot of the social there is a lot of the historical and um and i found that the more um the more, the more i open up and more the more aware i am of what the social construction of a female dancer's body is what the <laughs> what, great point yeah. what the um you know what, what what the historical realities are that um that 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 lead to um changing postures right what what the metaphysic of a certain very difficult posture is oh. the minute i begin asking those questions the minute i begin constructing images to oh. understand Mm. these questions but understand them through my body not understand them as facts sure you know as the things that i can hold between my thumb and my forefinger sure. but but really as how they're sort of absorbed and play themselves out in the way that i interest that i work with my body so i mean the example would be when i used to teach dance when i lived in canada i had you know kids who came who were born and brought up in a very different context than let's say children or students who would have been come come from this part of the world i found the bodies to be very different <laughs> to to get it to get into a posture where your knees had to bend you know in 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 a way that they just um move away from each other pointing to the walls on either opposite side so, was I mean, almost you, impossible you mean, you mean even postures are socialized i mean there are some postures which are well i mean i had a very simple explanation <laughs> i i really believe that is because then i never used a squat toilet <laughs> but um, because you know of right. course postures come out of your sure they come of your out of your geography as well your sure. location so i'm not sure. saying they're socialized but they're they're culturally embedded they're embedded in the larger metaphysic of Yeah. of of the body itself and how you negotiate yeah. and understand it. Where are you on this game? How is martial arts different? It's uh when it take a step back and thank you and yeah. it's a real honor to be having this conversation with you and learn from you. I yeah. just find myself nodding at what both of you say. Uh martial arts is um every part of your body is a weapon. Right? Mm-hmm. So but then there's an instrumentality to right. a little bit unlike what aparna said in the context of uh, dance it's an art is still an art so there's still an aesthetic to it yes but it's, it's hist- ephemeral right. but also instrumental hopefully right no well Let's. the history obviously historically was developed for self defense mm-hmm. so there was no aesthetics i mean it's just instrumental so you need to defend yourself and defend your people but to a lay person looking at it from the outside it is quite aesthetic so the efficiency has led to it the search for efficiency has led to the aesthetics now it's something because i, I mean you can still use it for self defense but the practice of it is similar to yoga where you do postures and you you use your body actually to transcend your body so mhm uh you use your breath a lot both in martial arts and in yoga mhm 
And it is through that breath, different types of breathing, that one is able to become our body because there is a rhythm also to martial arts and there is a choreography also to the forms and a repetition. So I find it that it is through the breath that we're able to forget our body and just become... But do you, do you think dance and martial arts kind of lie on one spectrum? So on they're similar. They're similar. I mean, like is, there, a, is there a place where they kind of yeah, merge or become similar to each other? Of course, they're very different and disjoint right. in many Physically, ways. Physically, you know, and also, of course, it depends on the style yeah. or dance and sure. martial arts. But um, you have, you need flexibility. You need to be dexterous with your body, right? Yeah. So um, there's choreography. And there's the aesthetic, but... What is the training for? In martial arts and in yoga, I find, I would say it's for peace, for self-knowledge. Mm-hmm. To, to, to get to know yourself, your deepest self. What does that mean? To transcend yourself and to, to know that it's not just you in your little body, mm-hmm. but... That you yourself are animated by by something bigger. So for you, your boundaries, of the boundaries of your body are a little fuzzy. What, what do you mean by that? What do you mean when you say that it's you is not just you? I mean, you just mean it. Right, so... It's the one day. It's the one day that in that that you allow. So through dance, at least in flamenco, you can uh, become receptive to something bigger mm-hmm. than you, and it takes over. And in you know, as far as I know, in African dances, similarly, it's something similar. You get a spirit that you're open to, you're receptive to, and it comes in, and it takes. You end up doing things that your little body wouldn't do. You find yourself doing things that your you and your my little ego Kim would <laughs> never do, right? I would never and, and it's really interesting and then you do them and then afterwards you're like, Oh my god, I can't believe I did that <laughs> when you're right. dancing. Are solo dances different from group dances if you dance with others who right. might be Right. And if you're performing or if if you're just dancing um with each other. Right. So, so yeah, it is transcending. It's using the body to transcend yourself, your little self. It's using your your little body here to sure to get to something bigger. And if we change tracks a little bit, Kim, and think of the context of the prison where you've done a little bit right. of work and are doing a little bit of work, what have been the one or two insights in the context of what it means to have a body? Because essentially, when you put somebody in a prison, you imprison them bodily, physically. Right. You constrain them physically. I mean, their mind right. can wander wherever it has to. Of course, the constraints to that as well. Um, but what is it about being physically constrained? What is it about constraining the body? Right, and this is something that Vishnu was pointing to. Um, the majority, at least in the U.S., the majority of the people who are in prison are people of color, mm-hmm. blacks and brown people. Mm-hmm. So the body is very much, um, is not just a body. The color of your skin has a lot to do with your opportunities. Yeah. Or if it's, your, your body's criminalized also. Yeah. It's not just sexualized, but it's also criminalized. Right. So... Yeah, um, and then, so you imprison the body, but if you imprison the body long enough, you end up imprisoning the mind too. You end up, um, in one of our conversations earlier, we talked about when people become institutionalized. Right. But really, the same thing happens. They get used to that rhythm. They get used to that. Right. Especially if you're there for a while. Yes. You go in there as a teenager and come out 20, 30 years later. But something similar happens to women also, right? When we see ourselves through the eyes of men and we we don't we we don't see ourselves as as human beings anymore. So mm-hmm. and we're not in prison, but it's something that we yeah, the social effects 
the how we how we live in our bodies what 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 is being imprisoned for you bishnu you know uh, as a problem you know the conundrum of the the embodiment is that how many ways in which we are confronted with a very basic thing that we are bodies we live with objects and other bodies right i'll just give three examples one for example when your body is negatively marked sexualized criminalized sure part of an object of surveillance right and as you know modern politics is all about surveillance yeah modern politics as foucault would call biopolitics yeah it's all about body how you control body how you domesticate body how to make bodies productive you know yeah. not merely controlling but making it productive so much of the modern poli- modern politics is also counting bodies yeah you know so so all in all in all you find there are many ways in his body is placed in our world take for example and body is a part of a larger machinery it's a larger machinery for example yeah. one way the body is marked the body is experienced as purely diminishment you don't feel as upon out say you don't you don't treat it as source of transcendence you feel as a burden that look your body has been sexualized your body has been seen as worthless and and your body is seen as impediment right and so you find that as a problem but at the same time when you have nothing but only the body you're also diminished marx for example <laughs> says that only in a capitalist alienated condition the workers have nothing but only the body it's a great point mm-hmm. and but the turning that into a positive resource bachana poet would say look i have nothing in this world but my body and i dedicate i consecrate my body for the god yeah. the rich people have wealth they can create a temple yeah but here <laughs> i have the body my arms my torso my this thing i dedicate it to it to it to lord so so depending on where you are what context you you you, you are thinking of, there is a struggle between so therefore attitude towards body is sometimes very ambiguous necessarily ambiguous you are in body sometimes you find that you are not body if you look at indian philosophy advaitic philosophy the central idea is there is that i am in my body but i am not body i am something else something eternal because body is fragile body is transitory body is perishable and therefore i am something else so body can be a source of transcendence body can be a source of diminishment body body is what you all have nothing else and body is intersubjective intercorporeal yes and body embodies certain very precognitive way of responding to the world for example if you are giving me a glass of water i'm not thinking that you're giving me water therefore processing it and holding and 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 and, and extending my hand it is very much precognitive it is it is body body accesses the world like that and that's what you would say that in some sense body's intentionality it reaches out it has a special kind of knowledge all it by itself it is a special kind of knowledge it, right. it 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 gives you access to uh, to special kind of experiences it 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 feels as a burden at times it feels as something with which you can do things you you i mean when buddha for example was meditating mm-hmm. like in a tough ascetic mastia mm-hmm. at a point when the body was dissolving he realized that look if i my body is dissolved today i'm dead how do i know what i know how <laughs> would i go and tell people that look there are ways of attaining detachment nirvana so he quickly changed his path oh somebody offered him rice water or milk water or milk rice and he ate and realized that in this world body is important right body as an instrument body as a vehicle it's not an impediment to salvation even if no there's some impediment it's not not in all you know for example if you look at um, the part of the sarira tattva that you find in indian this thing body is like the world there is a there is a homologous relationship between pind which is body right. and brahmanda which right. is the world right. whatever you find in the world you find in the body you find in the body there are rivers <laughs> in the world there are rivers inside your body something resonates with you there kim yeah it just also it resonated with me um his name was um suzuki roshi he was um japanese american um teacher mm-hmm. of the dharma buddha dharma 
and he has um, as one of his teachings was actually so the body is not an impediment to transcendence it is if we were present in our body if all we did was have good posture really be in our bodies because we get lazy with our body and our body does these things and we're inside <laughs> our head yeah right but if if we were present in our body that would be awakening so mindfulness as you call it is being mindful of your body so i mean this mindfulness is this secular well it's it's for me because it somehow feels right. like these to keep linking to each other right so if you if you mindfulness for me is modern day meditation it goes back because the meditation has all the religious connotations sure and so mindfulness is this now um more objective secular, secular <laughs> right but the practice for me is still based in the religious it comes from religious you know there are a lot of uh, things happening in this world which actually fragments mind and body yeah the unity is fragmented yeah and you find there are therefore a lot of attempts in various fields yeah to bring that unity yeah. back again you know so there are constant challenges whether yoga for example is a way of putting your mind and body together not to see them as two split fragmented entities to two substances that cannot really connect or one is in superior position in comparison to the other the mind is superior to the body that those kind of fragmentation is this a settled question bishnu this unity business this unity is what really lot of people are trying to see is a way of addressing that dualism not many people believe today of the dualism not many people believe any 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 anybody who says that oh mind body that that cartesian kind of problematic is i would say that philosophically has been soundly refuted sure. so what what people are struggling is that how the connections can be can be established how the unity can be experienced how the how and how the body can be given its due when when and and, and, and nietzsche for example would describe that philosophy as or the people as body despisers <laughs> there are you know body despisers yeah. in the world in many forms and he would say that body despisers he said that <laughs> they must stop teaching they must stop learning and they must give up their bodies and become silent and sure. he thought the body despisers body body despising is a symptom of our inability to go beyond ourselves yeah you know that's what he thought he thought that people who are constantly despising the body are actually unable to become better than themselves but bishnu is it likely that this is just some kind of a dialectical tussle between the mind and the body and there's a point in time when it looks like this is higher this is lower it's together it's separate or or which is why the question is is it a settled question like 500 years out 1000 years out are we likely to be no it is never a settled question if you ask me <laughs> the relationship will always unfold in new ways because our frontier of experiencing the two their their implications they will mm. all move in different directions so i don't think the question is settled but if you ask me the philosophical are there very sound philosophical arguments to uh, argue for substance dualism i would say no right i, I would right. only say that right right uh, and i'm not an expert in this but i think as far that question is concerned there's a lot of things to say the mind is representing ideas and 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 this thing that 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 is a too simplistic an idea and today we have a far complex reading of of the relationship between what you consider as mind and body and how the body also creates a domain body also creates a horizon for knowledge and how body is also implicated in pretty much in precognitive domain yeah i just wanted to pick up on uh, one something that vishnu was saying and something that kim was saying earlier so this idea of everything that's in the universe is in my body yeah in some sense as a dancer that's where you begin you begin with the invitation of saying that the universe is within me 
So um, within the tradition that I practice, we begin with this idea. You know, we we look at the representation of Shiva, the Nataraja, sure. um, as a representation of the cosmos. And you, you begin with that invocation, Angikam Bhuvanam Yascha, the, the limbs are the Bhuvana, the, the world. And you, as a dancer, you place yourself then as an ansh, a, a, a part of that. And where, where you begin your journey into the practice of dance is initially by recognizing this idea mm-hmm. that the cosmos, that you're, you're, you know, you're a representation of the cosmos, you're an image of the cosmos. And um, from that idea, the beginning to inhabit your body with that idea, mm-hmm. in some sense, like um, Kim was saying, with your bodily practices, with breath control. I mean, these are all techniques now. Yeah, We get into technique, what your body can do, how can it breathe, yeah. how will the muscles flex, yeah. what postures do you adopt, yeah. how do you experience your body. Much of the time in dance, in martial art, you experience your body through discomfort. Mm-hmm. Yeah, why do those because weird dance postures? Because not easy. You know, I mean, sitting in a chair is so much more comfortable than sitting in an aramandi or a chauka with your knees sticking out and everything hurts. Right. You know, but there's always this constant negotiation with the body that is happening. And in that process of finding a way to enter these difficult postures... Negotiating with the pain, holding that posture, there is a kind of knowledge production that happens. So you know, which cannot be verbalized. Yeah, fair. Yeah. So you when when you when you are in the aramande position mm. and so on. So do you know something about your body, or you know something about the world? I, I know it's a stupid question, but it's it's, it's not a stupid question, um, because it's something that. I think I've very recently had a is, little... So is it a personal kind of knowledge or that is, again, you know, the word transcendental is stupid, but... No, I, th- uh, I, think, that, I, think, it's, I think it is a shared knowledge. Right. It's not a... I mean, right. it's, it's personal to the point that you are experiencing the stretch and the pain and the holding, but it's shared in that... Um, I mean, I'm share, I share the tradition of do doing you watch, the Do you watch others dance? course i watch what does it do to you so if somebody else um dances for a while and gets into this tough complex posture Mm. do you experience anything or it's i mean there's there's the two ways of trying to understand what happens why do we watch dance one is why do why do you watch dance of course the second question is why is it that you watch dance what does it do to you i mean why you it's like saying why do you listen to music yeah why do you watch dance one sort of aesthetic explanation would be that by watching dance, I'm perceptually reenacting that movement. It's, yeah. it's like watching sport or athletes. Yeah. yeah. So there's a neuroscience explanation. Yeah, mirror neurons which firing. Which is mirror neurons. By watching, you're feeling the same. Your 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 neural networks are doing the same enact, thing. You, you, you enact you, you, that. You, you yeah. There's a perceptual simulation. Yeah. The other thing is that there is sort of something predictive happening. So you're you're negotiating. You're predicting that so there's the athlete, a rhythm to it, and the athlete is going to catch the ball not catch the ball if he does it you're satisfied you're happy you know that old definition of music that when you count but you don't know that you're counting so there is a rhythm right. that so you're a part of something is going yeah. and you become part of it there is a predictive yeah. sort of satisfaction that you produce if the if if the the performer does something that you're not expecting yeah. the surprise also creates some sort of a satisfaction and therefore you keep re-entering in that relationship of a performer spectator yeah um but let's say the 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 rasik aesthetic yeah. theory yeah. Um, has an entirely different sort of way of understanding the reason why uh, a spectator would watch a dancer perform. Yeah. Um, and it's it's seen more, it's explained more as the experience of a flavor rather than the experience of um, an image. Mm-hmm. So you have to ex- you experience it somewhere in your gut, right? So I mean, like like uh, Vishnu was saying earlier, you know, or or Kim was saying that you know you're not just in your head, you're somewhere also in your body. So it's what is it that you feel now? They say, they say that there's also a brain in the 
belly, right? Because it's an the enteric. Yeah, yeah. There is an enteric yeah. nervous system. Yeah. So, um, of course, our reductionist neuroscientist friends are beginning to explain <laughs> that the the that rasa aesthetics is based on the enteric nervous system and not the nervous system that originates in your brain. So, in some sense, this idea that um, so where I think dance can give us some clues into this the, this conundrum of embodiment is in sort of understanding that sort of a negotiation that happens between you living in your body as a body, moving as a body, because dance is a performance. Unlike much of our martial art and yoga practice, which is even though it's performative and we've got franchises that sell yoga in many yeah, other but kinds you of probably ways. don't watch go and watch somebody doing yoga. Go and watch somebody doing yoga the way you would go and watch somebody doing dance. Doing dance, yeah. So, um, so when you're doing dance as something that's self-transcendent as a practice for self-transcendence yeah. versus a practice that you're doing for the other. So when I'm performing, I'm thinking, okay, there are 200 people going to watch me and I'm on a proscenium and everybody's watching me just from yeah. the front yeah. face. It's a dis- it can be a deeply disembodying experience yeah. because you have to leave your body, put yourself somewhere else and look at yourself. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So this is where I think the, the, the contexts out of which certain performance practices evolve. You know, whether, you know, especially where you say, you know, when you asked me whether it's a personal knowledge or a, and I say it's a shared knowledge because it comes out of a certain cultural, religious, ritualized context where the bodies were obviously not despised. The bodies were celebrated. Does this question of despising, hating body make any sense to you? Absolutely. Yes, and I I wish you were correct. I I agree and I disagree <laughs> with Bishnu. I agree with your with how you quoted Nietzsche and and your and your overall everything. The critique with the one thing I disagree with is I still don't think that philosophers have actually moved away from that dualism. I I my experience has been that they're still very much trying to figure that out. And at least in political theory, they still insist on this view from nowhere. Yeah. And well, what does that mean? What is they, the view from nowhere? It's the, it's the liberal, Rawlsian, European um, view of justice. That is this view from nowhere. So any, anything which is universal. Is, right, objective. Yeah, and so and if it's if it's uh, if you try to articulate a theory, so is that is that a problem with any kind of universalism? Because it's that's that's yeah. the problem. Well, because that's of, that's how they see it, right? That it's um it's not real philosophy because it's too contextual, right? But then yeah, um. And so I still see a very strong impetus of trying to disassociate like with Rawls in terms of the right. veil of ignorance. Right. So this view from nowhere. But obviously it's still from somewhere. It's the view from the white male European, which becomes universalized. Yeah. 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 So I wish that that we had transcended that and that we did pay attention to context and different bodies but what about I, what I, about yeah. what about self image what about self awareness what about the self image of the body is that because clearly a body in china a body in india a body in i mean what about the self image of it is it so you have you have something to say there Vishnu? yeah no i just want to say something on that but before that i think there is no I think what Kim was trying to say, I just want to add a few things. Yeah. What really basically in the idea, the embodied knowledge yeah. is something that you have the knowledge because you're located somewhere, you're located within identities, yeah. whether it's individual identities, group identities, and so on. And that embodied knowledge is pitted against an idea of a knowledge which is disembodied, universal, mm. as if you are your view is from nowhere. Mm. It's almost like saying that, but no society 
you know, this is therefore the conundrum. The puzzle is that no society can completely do away with disembodied knowledge. No, no society cannot do away. Uh, cannot do away. You cannot really say that's 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 my submission. That I value embodied knowledge, but can I ever say that there's nothing called no ability of mine which can distance myself from my embodied self and think? Can in our everyday life we have sometimes make a distance and say that okay, sure. I understand what you're saying. So saying that knowledge is embodied does not mean that knowledge is only embodied. Yes, what I'm saying is that there is a tussle between when people say there is only disembodied knowledge, the knowledge of science is only valid. That is wrong, and that's why the embodied knowledge is countering that hegemonic views from nowhere. I agree with you, Kim. There, mm-hmm. and when you ask the bodies are Chinese body, Indian bodies, Mexican bodies, bodies are nationalized. Of course, there are <laughs> Chinese bodies, Mexican. Look at the beauty contest. Yeah, my friends from Venezuela used to feel that in Venezuela bodies are almost, uh, you know, that's the, the universal uh, that, that, that that I think has a higher percentage of uh, chances of succeeding as beauty queens, you know. And sometimes people thought that Indian bodies are now becoming. Challenging those. They're not those. just nationalized; they're also regionalized. <laughs> they're regionalized. They're nationalized yeah. because you are again marked. You know, your body is marked, and 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 it appears sometimes as diminishment when you say that women are supposed to carry the marker of national bodies. Yes. You know, therefore, mm-hmm. when there's a war happens, the soldiers first thing to do they they rape the women of their enemies. Right. Those bodies to be defiled because right. on those bodies are marked the images of the nation, and right. the nation has to be defiled. Right. And therefore, because to the extent that women's bodies are marked by national sentiment and identity, symbolically you tear them apart. So, in some sense, you know, the conundrum of the embodiment is that that they they sometimes they they appear. This is all not all negative. Because yeah, after sure. all, the modern day conception of a embodied existence is to also to say that how I refashion my body, how do I remake my body, how do I uh, how do I feel good with my body, how do I jettison these marked bodies of certain kinds, without becoming body despisers, feel good about my body, you know, you know this is the challenge, this is the struggle. Can anything be disembodied, Vishnu? Uh, no, the the. According to me, nothing can be disembodied. But, but, but disembodied is an is an idea, will never disappear. Yeah. Because disembodied is like a thought experiment. Yeah. It's just like imagining for a second. You imagine that you are not in Mumbai. Yeah. Sure. But you are placed yourself in Palestine. Sure. What did you say? You said I'm not in Palestine. How can I be? Uh, imagine myself in Palestine. The the only request is but that it you goes imagine. hand in hand with the idea of imagination. Yeah, there's an yeah. imagination which yeah. allows you to distance, and 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 that is where they're going to be fully disembodied. But there, to say that you are not completely trapped by your own embodiment, you know, that right. is the idea. Right. Otherwise, how the society will be possible if I only think of a, a body which is in Bangalore, in Baroda, or Odia. Uh, my caste, my this thing, that thing. Where would I go beyond it? How can I go beyond it? Because without going beyond it, no society is possible. Can anything be disembodied, Kim? I would say no. Like if everybody stopped practicing martial arts, uh, it, it, it would just die. What would happen? Can anything be disembodied? I would say my 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 inclination right now is to say no because even. Everything is, you're still thinking through a body. Yeah, there's a substrate, something, yeah. So you may not be present in your body when you're imagining or when you're remembering or when you're daydreaming, but it's still happening through your body. Yeah, you're still going away from a body, so yeah. Oh, well, yes, yeah, so that's, and the question was whether if anybody, if we stop teaching, then would it die, right? Was that it? Yeah, so that's one of the one of the reasons the lineages keep going, because... Um, otherwise, um, the the art dies with you. No, I think the question is that, you know, for example, if I knew a little bit of organic chemistry, I would leave a manual and if somebody discovered it 400 years later, you could just go from there. Uh, is it possible to leave a manual for martial arts and dance and it just gets picked up and goes from there? And, you know, I mean, I, I'm trying to put this question in a non-trivial way. 
of course, there is stuff that you get from your guru and all of that, which but is funny. Microsoft is coming up with something called Microsoft Kinetic. Kinetic. Mm-hmm. Um, and they want to uh, record, you know, they want to record um, different ways in which and they want to focus this on the intangible heritage and see how they how can they record. Like can postures be lost? Can gestures be lost? Absolutely, can, they can be lost, mm-hmm. but. But that's all right. It's okay. No, I mean, it's no. okay if they're lost. Yeah, because sure. you can always make new ones. I mean, I still have <laughs> my hands. And if I, for, you know, the 26 mudras and three of them get lost, I can make more up. I mean, that's, right. to me, that the loss wouldn't be if uh, a particular gesture that has a certain meaning embedded in it in a certain context gets lost. Sure. But I wanted to come back to what Vishnu was saying earlier about, you know, imagination. Mm. You know, so much of what I was saying earlier about dance is about being in the body mm. and that negotiation of trying to just completely get into the body and be the body. Mm. But in some sense, much of the dance that is embedded in the traditions that we're talking about, even in, let's say, flamenco or Odyssey, which I practice, is also highly communicative. You know, there's a whole emetic practice. Yeah. Um, and there is a lot of mediation of metaphor yeah. that happens. So sometimes I wonder, you know, like Vishnu was saying, you have to sort of little step outside of your body to see what it is. What is that image? What is that imagination? Yeah. That's, that, so what I'm trying to do as There'll a dancer There will always be an imagination of the body. Body right. just can't be Right. So here I am trying se. to, like, let's say I'm performing and I'm trying to convey an image, an emotion, uh, a right. state of being to you. Yeah. How do I do it? Do I do it only by being present in my body and being completely unaware of everything else that's happening around me or unaware of the image or the text or the poetry that I'm trying to interpret? I can't can't do it like that. Yeah, so you know when you say that it's... Yeah, yeah, so so in in that sense, I have to be aware of that dichotomy, that I'm taking text, I'm taking metaphor, I'm taking the cognitive mechanism of how to move my body, the perceptual reality of the world I inhabit. Yeah. And that at that time, embodiment is no longer in the body of the performer, right? Embodiment is in the text. Embodiment is in the spectator. Embodiment is in my shared culture. Well, one more thing. You know, this gives me a chance to also think about um, the question you asked me. I don't know if um, if if people stop teaching martial arts, if, if it would... I think it would die. You can't just leave a manual because part of the martial arts is also ethics. You teach ethics mm-hmm. with it. How to use your body because you train it to to be confident, really. So Because to connect, as I was saying, right? To connect to something bigger than you. So, but there has to be ethics which cannot be verbalized or articulated, as, as Vishnu was saying a while ago. So unless... If there's something precognitive about the whole thing, then presumably you can't write it down. You can just right. so experience I think, and learn I and copy and mimic. I think it's very important the type of teacher that you have because you can have teachers that don't teach the ethics. And um, so what you end up getting is very powerful bodies that hurt others and right. hurt themselves. Right. And uh, so, mm, yeah, so that would, I don't know if you can actually just teach that from a book. I think right. it's very important to learn from example, from right. an embodied example and experience. But today, I mean, at least in the way one understands it today, martial arts is largely... Commercial, very much yeah, like it's, yoga. It's, it's, yes. it's not really a self-defense thing. I mean, you probably simply to pull a gun out and... Of course, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's a lot less... Right. Well, but then, you know, you never know. I mean, sometimes <laughs> it's yeah, good to know better than yeah. not to know. But the importance of there's also an importance of of just human touch that happens mm. in teaching of any bodily right. practice, whether it's a martial art or yoga or dance. I mean, recently I'd left two of my students to teach something to each other, and um, the next class, you know, when I asked them about their reflection, the first thing they said is, you know, there's something we discovered. They both learned Kathak and Bharatanatyam before, first time learning Odyssey. Right. This, the peculiarity of Odyssey is that there are a lot of twists and turns to the body. It's, it's, it's very non-linear, very right. curvy kind of right. movement. And the, f- the thing they said to us is, we've just learned that Odyssey cannot be taught without touch. Right. 
right? So right. right. Uh, until Microsoft comes up with something that can transmit touch. <laughs> um, that, that, that's what's going on there, which we'll talk about. <laughs> so, um, but, but for example, in my, you can probably learn dance all by yourself. I mean, can you learn martial arts all by yourself? Like, do, do you need a partner? Do you need a sparring partner? Absolutely. And why is that the case? I think so. I don't think you can learn dance all by, all by yourself. yourself no. And okay. again, and it's not just about the movement. Mm. It's, it's about uh, the presence. So now I think for me, a good martial artist is you. the body is just a sport, you know, but you do it to create community and friends. So, you know, so... Um, what, what, do, what do you learn at a technical level as you do martial arts for 20 years, 10 years? Um, how, to, how to move your body, right? But it's one of those things, it's like, um, you begin with the technique. Um, so you, you begin with like, oh, I want to get a black belt. Everybody wants to get a black belt, if oh. that is the system that they're in. But at one point, you don't care about the black belt anymore. It's just who you are. So what is the progression of? You know, uh, let me tell you. At a technical level. Well, let me give you this other one um, that I think is more important. In in Tibetan Buddhism, which is the practice, my practice, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. they tell you you need to do 100,000 prostrations. So when you begin, you're like, okay, yes. 100,000? 100,000 or 100,000 prostrations. Uh, prayers, you know, mudras and whatnot. Okay. And so you're like, you take it very seriously. And you're like, okay, you know. And so you do your prostrations. And then at one point you realize that... The number doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You need to keep doing it. And that it's it's a practice to change your consciousness. Right. So the the body doesn't matter so much. It's, you know, obviously it matters at the beginning. Right. Right, and, right. And eventually you get it that it's not about that. Right, right. Do your do you, do, you, do the prisoners benefit from any of this? I hope Presumably, so. Presumably, hopefully, maybe they I do. I think but so. What exactly is the gain? More confidence. Um, they, they become so, a source of peace mm-hmm. to themselves and to the Is the it a good idea to teach you? martial arts to prisoners? Who are I think the, so. The, the most serious Of course, they, they don't let us. They don't. I mean, in some, in some, some people do, but generally no. So what what do you do with them? You just teach them meditation, right? Or then um, I'll do yeah, so meditation or yoga. But and do, do people stick with it for several years, or they? Yeah. I hope so. It seems to me like they do because I haven't been doing it for several years. I've been doing it just for two years. Because I don't have to ask them, how did you do it? They just tell me, oh, you know, I was, um, I ran into this cop who was very aggressive and threatened to arrest me. And this is how I reacted. And so I know that they have taken it and run with it on their own. Right. And if, you know, when is, it's always difficult to generalize these things, but... Do some of these prisoners who are there for a very long time, do have a slightly altered relationship with the body? Or there isn't much of interest or importance there? I think it depends on the person. Um, I think some of us, like like anybody, you know, they're, they're not, I mean, we're all human yeah. and we're all embodied, right? And some sure. of us deal with trauma in a way that we suppress our pain and we, we're not ready to look at it anytime and and we die that way. Yeah. And some of us um, use that pain to, eventually when we're in the right context, we're yeah. able to look at it. And we use it to become more human, to open our hearts more and understand each other, become better. So it depends on the person. Yeah, yeah. It's a certain kind of handicap, isn't it? Just... I mean, you, you you have your entire body, but you're you're handicapped in the sense that there's only a certain region in which you can move around. But then it could. How be, is it different uh, from my losing my right arm or something? You, you know, know I, mean? I don't think so because I think again it depends on the person. Um, you could look at it as. So I'm going to talk about Epictetus, for instance, right? You could look at the color of your skin or your gender as an impediment or being in prison as an impediment to freedom. But maybe it is precisely because of your gender or your nationality or the color of your skin or your political situation 
that you reach that transcendence. Yeah. Is it possible to escape the body? So, you know, when we talk about some of these problems of gender, race, color, and so on, what's what's the way out? I mean, you're saying well, the body, body is also business. Yeah. Body is business. Body is politics. Body is um, mobilization. Body is collective, uh, collective empowerment. So bodies operate in 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 a lot of things, and some people think that you can you can escape bodies in all kinds of ways. The fact that we have bodies, but we can still manage without bodies. For example, the entire talk about virtual meetings. Yeah, yeah. I don't think. I mean, I I think artificial intelligence. You know, I, some philosophers should no, say... No, but even there, I think, uh, you know, there is there's this tendency to give it, to keep it real. So emojis need to be black and brown and, and white and all that. Yeah, now, but so. even then, <laughs> I would suggest, I would say, they're not same as me having this conversation where our, we are, our embodied presence is what really giving a very different texture yeah. to our conversation. This can never be done via Skype never can be done in a virtual sphere. That's what I would say. But there are still attempts. That will be a dis- different texture, Vishnu. Yeah, but but I'm saying that, you know, there is something that you cannot replicate. What they're trying to do is by creating tactile sensation, by saying that, okay, this is something you come closer to, embodied conversation. So what's the future, Vishnu? Why don't you spend the last five minutes talking about that? What's the future of the body? Three things I want to say. One, there are a lot of attempts to bypass the body. And I sincerely hope that they don't <laughs> succeed. And they, they, they still, body has to be, our embodied presence has to be respected. When the embodied presence and identity, our existence is not not for diminishment, but for individual self and collective self improvement and fulfillment. You know, when when that's that's something important. Second, whether or not that happens depends on whether the body can be bypassed. Yeah, no, you know, people are saying that body by nature is perishable, transitory. A lot of people are trying to. The utopian dream is to keep the body alive for eternity. Yeah, you know. For example, if you look at Sri Aurobindo's philosophy, or look at people who are keeping their dead bodies in America thinking that one day you will have a mechanism by which you can keep these bodies alive. Yeah. These are all dreams. Sri Aurobindo would say that your consciousness is rapidly changing. Your body as an instrument of the consciousness is not ready. Mm. It is still falling far short of the mm. pace of your consciousness. Mm. And therefore, supramental consciousness, you would argue, doesn't have a receptacle. It mm. has come down, but mm. human beings cannot have them because mm. their bodies are not ready. There mm. is no embodied receptacle Mm. for that kind of consciousness. Mm. The other thing is that, you know, the bodies are perishable and therefore it has to be made eternal. Finally, mm. as a poet, I won't, I still am very fond of Rilke. And Rilke would say that, look, when, the, when in his elegies, he says, when the angels come, he's telling the people that, look, don't show them eternity. They, they know about eternity. <laughs> show them artifacts. Show right. them potter's will. Show them things which are not eternal transitory but made by hand right. show our imperfection but right. show our embodiment right you know so these are these are the challenges these are challenges and 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 i think you know it's important that we we should feel good about our impermanence we should feel good about our transitoriness we should feel and, our, and you're, you're you're equating body with impermanence yes Body, body it's, is a it's, very important. That's the sign essential of my, characteristic of the yes, body. Yes, It'll perish. It'll go. And and I'm not diminished by that idea. That's what the poet says. We're not diminished by our uh, our fragility. We're not diminished by the fact that we will all die. So what's the, the future, Vishnu? Uh, not the wishful one. What make a prognostication? Make a prediction? No, we will still. There's still a lot to be thought about our embodied existence. There are many facets to our embodied existence. We have only scratched the surface because after all, it's about living. Yeah. It's about living living in bodies and practices dealing with bodies. What's that the future? That is the future. What's the future, Kim? What's the future of a body? What's the future of the body? 
what's the future of being a body what's the future of living as a body i know these questions are very easy to pose right <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah so i i have the wishful and then uh, you know obviously i don't know the future um but i have wishful thinking and my my hope would be that we enjoy our bodies precisely because they'll be gone so since we know that they'll be gone then i feel it's important for us to to enjoy ourselves while we're here <laughs> yeah the funny thing is that when I mean, you say the body will be gone but we'll be gone too and the body keeps changing while we are there you know that's the funny thing around for 60 years the body is different at all times what's the future aparna you know i think that all this talk about uh this disembodiment and yeah. the virtual world and downloading our brains into some kind of software even when our bodies are gone yeah um and there are many people attempting all kinds of crazy things to do sure. that um i mean i think i think there's such a minority there's there's so many so many of us fortunately that are still living in this world that's not virtual that are still living in our bodies and i think the diversity of bodies that exist itself will protect us as in our attempt or our reality of living as a body so i don't feel so threatened about this idea that the body will disappear um my body might disappear your body I mean all of our bodies will disappear but life continues it's going to continue in bodies i think listen to the the life needs a body vishnu for embodiment life needs body and uh, and and i i don't see that life can be thought without uh, without embodiments uh, i may be wrong but i think you know it's impossible to imagine life without embodiments unless you think of a life as information i mean and um, which is when you you then you can think about a disembodied life if life is just information but i don't think any of us have that understanding of life but will there be dance 500 years out 1000 years out will there be dance will there be dancing i think as long as there is a body there will be dancing yes terrific i think that's a good note to end this on thanks to all of you for making it and we look forward thank to having you. you soon again thank, thank you. you thank, thank you. you thank you very much